Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. My guest today is an author of fiction, fictional and non-fictional uh, material. I'd like to welcome David Farrell. Cheers, Reese. How good you to doing? be here. Good, mate. Yeah, good. I haven't had an author on the show, so it's actually good to have one. Oh, cheers. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what made you get into this? Have you always been into writing? Writing, writing started oh, from school days. I, I, um, we were um, sort of. I was at a boarding school, so there was a lot of um, uh, prep work or prep times, or when you had to do your homework. But there, there I was pretending to do um, uh, studies and that, and actually I was writing about what happened in the day and what I'd rather be doing. So <laughs> I've been writing all my life. Yeah. 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 So when when you're writing a novel or, or any type of book, how do you actually structure what you're writing? Do you just brainstorm everything first? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a case of just sitting down and just typing it out. Oh, some type, some write. I mean, I can't even read my own handwriting. So yeah, my handwriting's terrible yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So so I just type and I just go for it. And I just keep writing and keep writing. And then you get a sort of a, a an overview of what you're trying to say. Do you get into like a zone though where you're just writing for hours and then not even realize that time's gone by? Um, yeah, you can do. Uh, you know, so some authors sort of separate themselves and want to go and sit quietly somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I sit in the, in the corner of the lounge with the families all carrying you know, going backwards and forwards, and that suits me perfectly. You know, I'm right. recording, I'm typing away, and yeah, you, you lose track of time, and you, you know you haven't answered questions, and the wife gives you, you know, a good slap because you're not focusing and all that sort of thing. But well, that, that's good. That's what a wife's for, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but that that makes me focus, eh? <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but so when you decide on a topic, like how do you how do you reach that point where you decide on a subject? Well, it, 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 it's I can only talk for for, for my point, and, and um, I've got sort of three books on the go. But that that sort of started as a single book, and uh, or a single so what story. Was, so, what was the first book that you worked on? Was that the uh, um, that that was the um, Aotearoa to, or y- South Africa to Aotearoa? Yeah. So yeah. that so that was sort of chameleon, and that was, that was just saying how we change and how people change and and how we adapt into our. Um, our environments, um, whether that's political, environmental, or whatever, you know, um, and and really what it was was it, it, what it is is it's just a story of um, early days back in Africa where you know where I was born and all that, and uh, taking me taking everyone through those political times, not historical times or that were based on historians because. Every historian has their perspective and angle. Yeah. This is just what was happening at the time and how I personally and the family were affected by it. Right. Can you give me an example? Yeah. For example, um, um, I, I was born in, um, in, in, in Zimbabwe, which was Rhodesia. Right. And, um, you know, uh, the family were um, civil servants and uh, sort of ha- the country had changed from uh, an, Eng- an English colony. It sort of declared UDI and all those implications. And then it went from that to almost what you'd call a civil war type of a thing. Mm. Uh, and then it went to independence, which was full, one man, one vote, or one person, one vote. Right. Um, and so it became um, a proper... Um, not a democracy, but that was the intention, mm. you know. And and obviously Zimbabwe's a, a whole another story on its own. 
on where it's gone. Because you spent some time in South Africa as well, yeah. didn't you? So did you move from Zimbabwe to no. South so, Africa? No, so what happened is um, my parents are, are all British. Right. And, and, and early in, 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 in sort of about 10 years old when the problems were starting to to develop in, in, in Africa, um, parents took us back and I spent three months in Ireland, Northern Ireland, and I think they were looking at going back. And that was a time in Ireland and Belfast where there was the the political, so there were, there were big fights going on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the Catholic and Irish and Protestants and all that kind of thing. And it was like, oh man, for a 10-year-old, you know, they, they were tanks going through Belfast and, you know, bombs going off and it was just like, wow, especially for a little African guy who really didn't even get into the cities. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, Zimbabwe sort of rolled out and put, you know, thought, oh, okay, here's an opportunity. And I just left school. Mm-hmm. And when you left school, you travel. Yep. And, you know, with British, you got a family there, went across to the UK and then stayed in the UK for about seven years. And got yeah, got into retail. That's where I got into retail and uh, um, um, sort of got married and then started started the family. So how did you end up here? Right. So <laughs> yeah, long story. Yeah. So, um, it's a long podcast. So it's fine. <laughs> and so what, what, what happened is um, that was the time when I stopped. We were starting the family, and that was when the time where they had. Um, released Nelson Mandela in South oh, Africa. Yes, yes. And things were changing. Um and and changing for the better. Mm. And um I hadn't lived in South Africa, although Zimbabwe was sort of very close to South, South Africa. Africa. Not just physically but also politically and all that in the past. Oh okay. Yeah. So at one stage I think it was just a state of South Africa practically. Right. Um and so it was uh you know what I'm a South Africa, want to go back. UK wasn't doing it for me. Why not? Um, I'm not a fan of the UK, by the way. Oh, I'm okay. Just, so yeah, I'm yeah, interested right. in this. So, uh, you know, I'll upset some of them, but that's all right. Um, that's okay. The UK was not a place or is not a place, I believe, for, to bring up kids. You know, the, the kids were... In terms of what? It, because what, of, like, negative environment? Or? Yeah, Um the kids, they were, they were selling the, the, the sports fields, you know, to, for developments. Oh, for like houses, townhouses yeah, you know, and stuff. But, uh, really? You know, yeah. kids need a play. And they were playing soccer in, in, in the car parks. You know, the kids were playing soccer in the streets. Or, yeah. You know, um, they weren't, there wasn't any sporting activities at school. You'd have to join a club, uh, you know. And, yeah. And it's not all about sport. It's about all those extramural condition, you know, activities, and they just stopped them. But where, whereabouts were you? Were you based in London? Um, no, I was uh, based um, about in, in Gloucestershire, which was probably between um, Wales and London. So it was sort of on the M4 corridor. Oh, right. So right on the edge. Right on the edge, yeah. So it was um, Bath, Bristol, Cheltenham, Gloucester, all those sort of areas. Okay. Uh, London, nah. No, 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 no. Okay. Not, not for, not for an African boy. Eh? No, no. Oh, I've been to London. It's, it's, yeah. It's crazy. It, yeah. it is crazy. So it didn't suit us. 
you yeah, know, that's and, fair enough. You know, and, and, and you, you don't just pop into someone's house and say, oh, hey, come for a cuppa or, a, you know, for a beer or that. It's all, you meet in pubs and all that. So, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, we went back to, went to South Africa, not back, we went to South Africa, got uh, into retail, got jobs there. Stayed there for about 15 years, went through the whole independence thing, voting, amazing, just just an incredible time, eh? South, South, Africa's, South Africa's changed quite dramatically. Yeah, yeah. Um, over the decades. Yeah, it has. And it went from bad and it went to a lot better and uh, it's sort of, yeah, changing again. Do you feel like there's a negative stereotype against South Africa and, well, other parts of Africa? Like, that's that's portrayed in the media. So, because I, I had a one of my ex-girlfriends, she was South African, mm. and she used to tell me all these horror stories about South Africa. And then she'd be like, let's go to South Africa. I'm like, Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, there is. I, I, I think people who, who get directly affected by it, and if you're living there, you are affected by it, and you... Um, you know, when, when change happens, it happens slowly. And people sort of start accepting things that aren't acceptable. Yeah. And that's where South Africa is going now. Right. Um, um, you know, they, they live behind all those security things and they, and, and it's unnecessary, you know, if the guy's got on top of it and sorted it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the independence was amazing. People, uh, and they've got such an ability just the other week. Of coming together, I don't know if you saw the Rugby World Cup and yeah, yeah, and, 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 well, they're, they're, they're much better sportsmen than say England are. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that coming yeah. together, it's there, it exists. Yes, and, and the country came together again, and and um, the, the first time we evidenced that. I mean, I was at the '95 World Cup, okay, final. Wow, you know, and, and Mandela came on, and he was in his ju- just right. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's before a lot of you guys' time, but. Amazing. Well, I watched. There's that movie Invictus. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. So yeah. that lived that history. So, so going back to the sort of the, the books and why it, it's history, but it's not looking back at history. You was actually living it. You were mm. there. You were experiencing. You were feeling it. You were sensing it. Um, and 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 what those reactions were. So the books are all about behaviours, really, mm. and how people behave and why we behaved. And right, you know, I think we segwayed off there. But uh, yeah, why you, so, why you came to New Zealand? Um, and um, New Zealand it was um, it wasn't a place for our daughter. Our youngest daughter at the time was about five or six, and it wasn't a place for her to be growing up. You know, she couldn't play in the garden by herself. We'd have to watch and keep an eye out. Right. Uh, it just wasn't a place to be safe anymore. And we were considering going back to the UK. That's how it had got. Okay. And You didn't uh, consider any other countries? We didn't. I didn't know much about any other countries. Didn't have family. So you, you sort of tend to go where, you know, people have got a family and you've got some sort of support structure. So what, what did you know about New Zealand before you came here? All, all I knew is that, that annoyingly that they were bloody good rugby players. and uh, every time we watched it all we saw was these guys sitting in the cold rain and thinking oh man that's a cold place to live yeah you know because that's all you saw in the the rugby yeah yeah it was cold all the time yeah so that's that was my perception of New Zealand Um, and anyway the guy said oh listen yeah, one of the retailers are looking for some some people in New Zealand. I said, oh, all right. So we we got onto the whole. Um, uh, someone told me about this strange thing called Skype, and you know, 
jumped onto that, borrowed a computer. And what, so, sorry, what, what year was this? We're talking 2008. Okay. All yeah. Right. So about 2008, they told me about Skype, jumped onto the few interviews, and they said, look, come on over and we'll have an interview. And I said, oh, a long way to go for an interview, mate. Yeah, well, yeah. flying to New Zealand or yeah. flying anywhere from New Zealand takes ages. I like, I know flying to uh, the UK, I hate that flight, eh? Yeah. Yeah. And not cheap either. No, it's not cheap. Well, flying anywhere that's not Australia is pretty expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you fork out all that money, you say, oh, okay. Anyway, it came out. You know, it, 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 I can't explain that feeling. And it's, it's, we came out of, I came out of the, because I came more, I left the family. It was only a four or five day trip, and we came out, and it was. So you landed at Auckland Airport. Auckland Airport, end of October. Okay. Two thousand and eight. Got picked up by some mates that were in New Zealand because South Africans are everywhere, and I don't have to tell you there's plenty here. Yep. <laughs> so there were contacts with school. Yep. So that, you know, picked me up, and we drove. And I, I, I went on the road, and, and and it sort of showed Auckland across the bay. Ah, oh, right. And yeah. I said, "Oh, hello! Look at that!" Yeah, yeah. You know, um, had the interview, did the whole thing. It was exhausting. I mean, you had to do all this role play and a jet lag. You can imagine. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. a nightmare. Yeah. Um, anyway, did all that, sorted out, and uh, took a walk down Queen Street, jumped onto a ferry, went across to Devonport. Ah, oh, yes. Sold, mate. Done. Not Devonport, just that whole just the the, that, the um the look the the the, the picture picture landscape just picture and yeah. and, it, and it just and I looked at it and the people on the boat and the, it was just this wow just loved it fell in love with it day one okay so sold so when you moved here were you based in Auckland first um I did a few months in Pukekohe okay. Part of Auckland, kind of. Is it? Well, yeah, yeah. It's 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 part of the Auckland region, I suppose you could say. Right. So yes. so it is part of Auckland, but I suppose like if you're not working in the CBD or anything, then no. Nah. Yeah. yeah. So okay, because Pukekohe is quite out the way. Yeah. 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 And uh, then, then went down to TA. Oh, okay. Yeah. Took, wow. took my first because your first three months you're just getting trained, and then you apply yeah. after that. So then shot down to TA, worked TA for a couple of years. And then came to Hamilton. Mm. And uh, 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 long story about how we Cambridge was another town that we went in and just said, wow. You know, I like Cambridge. I've got family there. You've so. got family there? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think I'd personally lived there, but um, that's just because I, cause I grew up in Auckland. So yeah. I'm very, I'm used to being around a lot of different cultures. Yes. So I think. Cambridge doesn't have all of that. It suits my yes, yes, but, it, <laughs> but it's great. It's it's great for our families though. Yes, if you have kids or anything, amazing town. Yeah, amazing yeah. town. And we've we've done London, we've done Johannesburg, we've done yeah. Well, we, you've obviously been around. So. We didn't want to do Auckland and and all that. We want to lifestyle change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, that's fair enough. Yeah, and Cambridge is still reasonably close to Hamilton and Rotorua and. Especially with the highways and all that going on. Yeah, eh? yeah. So it's really, really good. Ooh. Okay, cool. Ooh. And so you've you've also written a, a novel, well, uh, a non-fictional novel, is it, on Ooh. autism? Yeah. Um, so what what what's that based around? How did you come up with the idea for that? All right. So um, we've got um, um, 
family who are on the autistic spectrum. Right. Um, we thought there was only one, but there's probably more. Do you... Um, I'm just keen to get your opinion on this, mm. but I've, I've read that people believe that... Well, some people believe that everyone's actually autistic, but it's on a spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I, my first inklings of, of autism, it, it, it was something that wasn't good. You know, because that's that's what you're told, and and uh, I, I believe the order. I think everyone is on the spectrum, yeah. At one stage, at some point, right? Uh, you know, um, and, and there, there, there's a there's a there's a norm, if you like, where most of us are on, if you like. So between a certain point on the spectrum, that's where um, it's 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 what they consider or what people or what communities or have have decided that's that's a norm. You know, I don't know what normal is. Yeah, I don't know what normal you know is. What I was going to ask you, I'm like, what yeah, is normal? How no you, such thing. How do you define normal? Sure. And and there, there's some activities that, that, that have been linked to autism, um, behaviors. And, and again, this is behaviors I keep on all my books. It's all about behaviors. Yeah. So, so can you give me an ex example? Yeah. So, so, so autistic, uh, they, were, they, were, they say, oh, autistic people don't show emotion. Absolute rubbish. Yeah, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Uh, th these are what were, when, this is, we're going back to sort of late 90s. You know, that's, they, they, they don't show emotion. They, um, um, they don't um, have social uh, skills and rubbish, you know. Okay. Uh, all those things are, are going away because they were trying to tar, because um, autism is just a collective word. That's all it is. It's like, it's like, um, and it's not as easy for, say, cancer. You know? Right. Yeah, there's lots of them. But autism is just a, a collective word of set of behaviors that people don't consider as normal. Mm. As far as I can see, I, I I don't see anything different. Um, so when we say these behaviours, so yeah. obviously emotion is one. What yeah. are some of the others? Let, let me take for example what what, what um, they do, um, and I'm just going to talk about my experiences with autism because that's all they 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 do what they call stimming. So these guys um, like to uh, stim, and stim can take any form of uh, clapping or running, or walking, or rocking, and it's a process that they do. They do it because then they're processing, processing the information mm. that they get. And I think what they, from what I see and experience and they tell me is that uh, it's harder to, um, they, they, they get all these, um, the lights, the sounds, they're a lot more cute. They, they, uh, they're a lot like, more in tuned with them. Yeah. And they can't ignore the flickering light, or it, it, it right. you know, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, very, yeah, very yeah. Um, intense. Okay. So, so they'll process it. So we do the same thing when we listen to music. We tap our feet. You know, why do we do that? Because you know that's what we do. That's stimming. Yep, yep. We clap when we're happy. We 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 um, we pace up and down when we're stressed. Okay. So we're doing exactly the same things. Yeah. But maybe not as as regular or whatever. Yeah. Or not as extreme. Not as extreme. It, 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 or, or outside of what we, as a, as a species, consider norm or acceptable. Well, yeah, that, that gets you onto a whole philosophical doesn't question. It, doesn't it just. As to what is normal and how things become yeah. normal. Absolutely. Almost like a sense of tradition in some senses. Yeah. 
yeah, what you know, what, yeah, um, you know, it's not acceptable to, 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 um, in a class, for example, you've got a class of thirty kids, and one of those thirty, because probably one in thirty people are on the autistic spectrum, that is seeable, that's obvious, yeah, um, and that kid needs to get up and go to the back of the classroom and pace up and down. Yeah, yeah. And it's not because they're ignoring the teacher. They're actually listening very intently, but they're processing. So it's, it's a different processing system. So do you watch some films like that involve like autism? And like, have you seen the movie Rain Man? Yes. Would yeah. that be an accurate... No. No, it's not accurate. No. It's... Uh, uh, no, it's it's accurate for that person. That that you know, each autism is not. It's a collective word for every autistic person is different, has different um, um, issues, has different strengths, and they're just human beings. They're just different, in, mm. in, and different. And when I say they're not even different, they're just some some of their skills or some of their um, um, behaviors are just more intense, perhaps. Yeah, or well, less, like. Or, yeah, like there could be some autistic person that's really good at maths, for example. Sure. Yeah. You know, it, you know, why did why did Mozart? How did Mozart write his first thing at four years old? You know, most kids can't even write at four years old. Yeah. You know, where did that come? Who knows? You know, and and the poor guy had only lived till he was thirty. Yeah. You know, why? And I suppose the studies on autism are yeah. constantly evolving as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and to, to to call it or to label it disabled or whatever, you know, I think it's too early for us to be doing all that. That doesn't mean autistic people, you know. If you're just autistic, you're autistic, and you can have these other complications. You know, you might there may be ADHD and there may be all any other things, just like any human being. Uh, oh, that's autistic. Oh, they're autistic. You know, which is actually not the case. They are autistic, but they've got other issues, perhaps. But they were all being were all being um, joined into one. Yeah, do you know? What? Yeah, you know, it's like oh, all the all the all the gingerhead people are a community. But gee, do you know? You know, they get sunburn and they get this and they get that. Well, some of it's true, but some of it they're just human. Yeah, it's yeah? like how white people are more susceptible to being sunburned than than darker people. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So you know, I'm not sold on it. I I, I think it. They've tried to make it a medical issue. Um, I, I know why they've labelled the disability thing because um, that's easier. Have you spoken to any medical people about this? Oh, it's it's a huge it's a, it's a huge um, debate. Um, well, yeah, it, it is. in the autistic community, um, you get all these um, medical people. You get a whole lot of um, legal people and. Um, Communities, or when I say that, I'm talking about say, uh, autism speaks or whatever. These big com- these big uh, non-profit organisations, who uh, claim to represent, or claim to um, say, oh yeah, we've got the, this is what autism is. Well, okay, but I, um, not until not too long ago, autism speak never had a single autistic person mm. at the top. Really? So how do you represent these people? Yeah, yeah. You know, they haven't even spoken to them as a, as a, as a collective and as a, you know. And it's changing. It's changing. You it's getting to, better. Yeah, you have to he- be heavily involved with 
that particular community if you want to understand that community sure which is why which is why people in those communities well any community like people to represent them say in politics for example no different from anybody else eh? yeah and why shouldn't they be making the calls of do you facepalm when you hear about these vaccines that cause autism yeah 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 yeah. Uh, it's vaccines uh, and um then you know and there's been quite a few of them there's new ones that are coming out all the time and it's oh it's because of you know uh, vaccine was a big one i mean that guy who brought it out that was that british doctor or whatever yeah you know and he's he's buying bars and all the rest of it whatever it is and we're seeing we're seeing the repercussions of it even here in New Zealand in terms of people not vaccinating and all that kind of thing. Yeah, well, we actually um, in Hamilton there was a councillor that was on the council previous council that actually believed that vaccines caused autism. You know, she's not she she got voted out, thank God. But, <laughs> but you know, it's 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 quite scary when people like this have a lot of power, you know, and yep. they're making decisions for people, particularly when they have the wrong information. Exactly. And all you have to do is speak to these people on the community because they're bright, bright, bright people. They know what they're doing. They, 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 they live it. You know, autistic people talk to them. You know. Well, that's that's how you gain knowledge, right? Well, isn't it? It's 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 another way to combat, say, racism. You know, racism is usually a result. Oh, you know, of of being um, exposed to a certain narrative. Right. Absolutely. But then if you have contact with those people, then you're probably not going to have that view. Totally. Or it might cause you to change your view. 100%. And that 100%. Goes for, yeah, and that goes for anything. So, yeah. You make decisions in isolation and, you know, and, and, and that's part of the, uh, the leadership one. You yeah. Know? Uh, the, the book on, on, on leadership, um, that first started off as sort of a... Re- yeah, well, that's a good segue. Yeah, yeah. leadship. Yeah. So yeah. what are what are the, some of the key things of leadership, do you think? Well, it, you know, it, the book started off as, as a sort of a retail one. And I still do a lot of, re- uh, you know, blogs and comments for, for, for the retail um, um, magazines here in New Zealand. And, yeah, and yeah. Aussie, you know? um, and it started off with retail. I thought, well, hang on a minute. And I'm just broadening it out all the time. And, and leadership... Um, I was listening, was it to Shelley, I think, um, or, or your podcast? Shelley Davies? She, yeah. I love her. Yeah, I thought it was great. Oh, yeah, she's, great she's podcast. a podcast. Yeah, yeah, she's a, she's a great woman. I enjoyed that. I thought it was real good. And, and I think to her point, and, um, you know, leadership, like writing, if, you know, they send you to uni to be a leader. You know, you, you can't go and learn to be a leader. You know, you, you, I think it's something you just have to do. You learn yeah. while you're doing it. Yeah, and I think we all lead us. We all lead a part of our life. I think some people feel that some people it might come a little more naturally to some people than others. Uh, yeah, that's probably the argument. But I, I, I do think it's something. I think we can leaders. obtain. Oh, I think we're all leaders. I think we choose to follow it or we don't. Yeah. Um, or, or the opportunities aren't. They're always for people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as I said, we started with the whole retail. And then I went back and I went back and I thought, well, hang on, okay. Um, it goes right back to um, when we were kids, you know, and and and, and you could – there was the popular guys and there was the – you know, and then uh, there's the natural people people. Hmm. 
Um, and it doesn't mean I, I'm not a social person by any means. Well, what do you mean by social person? You don't like going out and meeting new people. Yeah, there's nothing you there's there's nothing there's there's nothing worse for me than um, sitting in a room socialising. Nightmare. Yeah, nightmare. Um, but you're in retail. Hundred. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. This coming to this 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 for me. The thought of this was a nightmare. Really? Oh, yeah. It's just one on Well, because there's some people that are okay one-on-one, -on -one, and then yeah. there's some people that don't do well in groups. Yeah. But you're doing fine. Yeah. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm comfortable now. Yeah. Because I understand it. Right. So, right. So, in terms of the leadership, um, leadership is about behavior, understanding what people are doing. Mm -hmm. You know, as well as I do, especially in what you do, you pick up very quickly the person. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the great things about doing this is you're talking to someone for an hour, two oh. hours. So, even if someone's putting up a front, eventually, you know, they show their true colors. It, and comes, it comes through, sometimes faster than others, but yeah. And how, how different is your initial impression to your final assumption? Uh, it's thought? usually spot on. I haven't had a, I haven't had a time where my initial impression of the person uh, is way off. It's, it's usually quite consistent. There's some people that say might come on the show and they're nervous as soon as the mic turns on, but then they kind of get into their groove yeah. as it goes on. Um, and then there's some people that just, you know, they, they just love talking so much. I don't even have to say anything, you know, <laughs> they just, they just keep talking and talking, but it, it depends. Every individual is different. So, so that, that's a leadership skill. So, so, so your, your ability to sit there, make a judgment, whether you like it or not, it's a you said, okay, your first 20 seconds, you've, you said, okay, you, you've got a feel for what you perceive that that person's going to be. You speak to them for an hour or whatever, and then you confirm that perception or you might adapt it after hearing what you've heard. Yeah. Okay. Not everyone can do that or pick that up. Okay. Well. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't. I didn't know that. So yeah. that's good to know. Yeah. And what leaders? The title is not something you can give yourself. A leader is a title that was given to you, or people give to you. So you know what that guy. He's a great leader. That guy's. I'm going to follow that person, and it it, it it's not about saying, "Oh, I, I I'm I own this company, so I'm the leader." Well, hang on a second. You know, you've got to prove that. You've got to you've got to get buy-in from your people. If you haven't got that, all you are is an owner. Yeah, and there are some leaders that, like, sort of um, cling on to um, power. Like they they you know they. They're obsessed with power. They want to have all the power. Um, it's not really about working in conjunction with a team. It's about orders. Yeah. So th th that's what I call managers or micromanagers. Okay. <laughs> so, I know a few of those. Yeah. So 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 the distinction is is, is it's le leaders don't go in and say right I want you to do this and I want doesn't work that way. Leadership is about saying. Listening to your people because they actually know better. They're the experts. You know, a leader doesn't go in and say, oh, okay, I don't want you to do it. You go in and you speak and you chat and you come to a mutual agreement and you move on. Well, usually a leader might not necessarily know everything about the subject. No. But they work in conjunction with the people that do. Yeah. 
And that goes for, I mean, you could say Jacinda, you know, she's not making every one, every one of these decisions on her own. She's no. working with a team, group of people. But yeah. we have this thing where we seem to focus in on one individual. Yeah. But then if you look at that individual, there's usually a team yeah. around them. Yeah. I remember watching an interview with Peter Jackson, you know, and he's talking about Lord of the Rings and how that all happened and stuff. And he, and he constantly praises his team, you know, mm. from the script writers to the uh, set constructors to the cast, you know. Yep. So many people involved, but we just we focus in on this one individual. And, and the flip side to Jacinda would be watching someone who, 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 let's say, for example, Trump, who, who, who isn't a leader, and is trying to make it all, all the decisions himself and but, cut out the rest. Yeah, but he has a team though. But I'm wondering if the team, is the team part of the reason he is like he is like are they are they making it worse because your team can either you know it can be a positive or a negative yeah right? so i mean he already has an inflated ego yeah they could be helping to inflate it more which just escalates the problem which highlights his inability to lead because he's surrounded himself with yes people yep and uh uh people who are just going to inflate that ego further yeah where leaders don't do that they want the tough guys the the the, the someone who's going to come up to you and say listen you've been an ass that yeah. doesn't work uh, and here's a reality check and you've got to have that in leadership because you're not an expert you're you know it's 100 percent right you, you can't know it all um, you, you're not specialized in, in in specific areas. You don't work with things on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, those leaders that are sitting in these ivory towers and what have you, passing down all this information, saying, oh, you know, uh, there's a new way of doing this and I want that. And, and they haven't gone onto the floor or into the offices or into the streets and spoken to the people, listen to what they're saying and listen with intention to, to hear what they're saying, not to answer them, you know. Listen with intent, listen to what people are telling you. Listen to what they're not telling you, even more importantly, you know, because yeah. cause, because people will say things and you say, okay, so why are you saying that? Okay, it's actually not what you're saying, but I hear in between. So leadership's about those people skills and, and, and understanding why people behave in certain ways. Yeah. So it's all a bit deep, but yeah. Yeah, it is pretty deep, but it, it gets on <laughs> into an interesting conversation, doesn't it? Yeah. In terms of the narrative. Because I think a lot of people don't actually listen. They're just waiting for their turn to talk. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you notice that a lot in retail. Yep. But I can tell, I mean, I'm probably guilty of doing it sometimes, to be perfectly honest. But uh, yeah, it just, it seems, and there's a lot of ignorance as well. People are just easily offended these days. Yep. It's not about understanding the other person's perspective. Like one of the things this podcast has taught me is it's taught me to be objective. Okay. Uh, I was speaking to a lot of the local politicians within Hamilton during the local elections. Yeah, I saw them. And you quickly start to realize, because I'm talking to these people for long duration, like an hour plus with, with all of them. And so you're learning to understand why they think like they do. Because I think we, like particularly with politics, is we're unable to separate the character from the politics. Yep. Good point. And sometimes, and sometimes you can do that with leaders as well. You know, like some people don't like being told what to do. But they might, they might have a very good reason for why they're doing that. 
as well. So it's it's um, it's a hard thing to balance, though. It, and most of the time, we listen with a, 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 with the intent of of just formulating an answer to responding, and it's not always about that. It's just about just listen to what's going on. Um, you, you get into a new environment, and instead of going with all your guns blazing and you've got a new place to lead, just listen. Just just listen. Just go in and listen to what they've got. Let them get their gripes out of the way. Let them get all their bits and pieces. Let them talk to you and um, and observe you know, behaviors. Behaviors is everything. That's all we do. We read When we read books, we're watching. We're, we're looking for behaviors. We're looking for why people are doing it. Same as when you watch a movie, we're looking at behaviors. We're, we're analyzing all the time. It's, it's a human thing that we do. We analyze. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about analyzing. Yeah. yeah. Do you worry about what social media has done in this regard, though? Because it's given everybody a platform to just say whatever the hell they want, whenever they want. They don't have to necessarily, like, someone might write something. I mean, I, I'm guilty of this as well. Someone might post something on Facebook that I know is wrong. And then I end up getting into an argument with somebody because I know they're wrong. And then I, at the end of it, I'm always like, oh, why did they do that? What a waste of time, you know. I did that yesterday. Did you? Yeah, it was, it was on, on LinkedIn. And this guy came up and he said something about autism. And I, and I know, oh, yeah. and I know, just walk away from it. But you jump in. And no, I've got no concerns with social media. I think social media has, is, has brought us a new dimension. I think it's telling. Uh, it, it's given us all a voice. We can all say what we want to say. We just have to learn. Again, listen, observe, and then analyze and react. But people don't listen, right? So let's let's take your example of like where you you know yeah because this guy obviously said something about autism. Mm. And then you responded because you're like you knew that was wrong yeah. or incorrect. Yeah. So he's probably, I mean, if we look at this objectively, he's probably looking at it from a, a lens. He's looking at it through a narrow, um, sure. narrow lens. He's probably hasn't been exposed to the things that you have, mm -hmm. which is the reason why he has the perspective he does. Mm -hmm. And I think in those type of cases, you'd really need to sit down with that person to explain it to them. Yep. But unfortunately, you know, we don't have we don't have that type of time. And it deteriorated. To, into what? Just a just an angry debate? It, just, it wasn't even a debate. I think it ended up just a, just a exclamation marks and caps. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and one step away from name calling, eh? But you know, <laughs> and 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 that's after thirty five years of of leader, leading, you know, experience in, in in we can't help it. It's 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 an inbuilt thing that we we, we need to right wrongs, whether our rights are wrong or right. You know what I mean? But what is it's our what is right and what is wrong, you know. We it's need all, to write it's it. all based on our perspective as to what's right and wrong. And we want to write it all the time. Yeah. We can't help it. That's why it's interesting when I have people on here. They might say stuff sometimes and I'm like, hmm. Mm. Like I, I, I try not to react. Actually, I've learned the ability not to react. Um, so just sitting back and then just taking in what they're saying. And then as, as I'm listening to it, I'm kind of program my brain to say, okay, this person has not experienced the same things I have. Therefore, they're going to look at life through a different lens compared to me. Now, do I agree with what they say? No. 
but I have to still try and be respectful. Luckily, I haven't really gotten to any huge arguments on this podcast yet. It's bound to happen eventually, I'm sure. There's some someone will say something that I totally disagree with, or I'm just like totally against, and I might see that. Hopefully, I don't snap on camera. That's no, not a good look. That's people skills. That's leadership. Yeah. So you 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 you're balancing it. You're saying, okay, that's your perception. What what am I going to do about it? I do think every individual you meet, you can learn something from. Sure. I do think everybody has something to to give. Yeah. Take take, take it. So taking it to another extreme. If going back to that, um, did you see the South African uh, the Springbok captain? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that that's a man who's had very very little education of any sort. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But the leadership skills are there. Mm. Interesting, eh? So uh, my concern is with education and all that is that we just have to be careful that we don't take people who have these natural skills and start educating and changing those natural skills so that those people then start behaving in a way that is seen or perceived as a norm. Hmm. Yeah? Yeah, I get you. Because I, as a writer, you go and you do a lot of studies, and, and, and I was, that's why I was so fascinated with Shelley's one, and she's done her master's degree and all that. And what I loved about what she's done is she's pushed, she says, yeah, I've learned all that, and I get all that, and I know the grammar, and I know, I know but plain English. She's still grounded. Yeah? Yeah. Whereas a lot of people will, oh, you know, I'm master's and degree in English and, and I, you can't teach me nothing about writing. Well, hang on a second. You know what? Well, yeah. I mean, it's all about – I think it's a bit different in New Zealand. Um, like, say, because obviously with my partner being Indian, you know, I know in India, for example, it's all about the degrees. It's all about, you know, that's that's all it is. Whereas here, I tend to find it's a bit more about experience yeah. as opposed to, you know, a piece of paper that just says that you know how to do this stuff. Yeah. And, and, and if you, it was your business, which would you prefer? Which would you, which would you go for? Which would be more useful to you? Yeah. Well, you if know? I was hiring someone, you know, if I'm the leader of a company or yeah. I'm uh, a recruiter at a company yeah. and I'm looking for an individual to employ. Yeah. I would base it on the experience as opposed yeah. to some certificate that so, just says that you, you've studied exactly this, this, and this. You know, yeah, yeah. obviously that does play a part. Sure, and I think it actually depends on what it, it does. what it is, right? It does. Like, let's take like music for example, right? I I think there's some things that people actually can't teach you in a classroom when it comes to music, and it's yeah. a subjective thing. You know, and it's something you can teach yourself, really. I mean, you can go on YouTube and learn how to play piano or learn how to, you know, construct um, a beat or mm. anything. So I don't think you need to go to uni for something like that, as opposed to say, you know, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, because there's so much more involved. And I don't think you're going to learn all the necessary yeah. information from YouTube or just some websites. And that's the other thing. You don't even know what's real and what's not. You know, we're in the era of fake news. Sure. Yeah. Well, well I think that I think the mid. I think you're right. I think one side is 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 the scientific side of it, and when you're talking about the arts, and we and, and I believe is is music, books, 
Oh, those are the obvious arts, but so are the people skills, so are the leadership, so, so we're talking about behaviours. That's not a science, it's an art. Yeah. Despite, even, even your, your psychologists and all those guys who are really highly trained in that, they still learn for years and years and probably never stop learning. Because well, it's you're a, never too old to learn. It's an art. Yeah. You know. And you but I, I tend to, I tend to um, gravitate more towards people that are ambitious or constantly learning, you know. Hmm. I get a bit frustrated. Like if I'm, if I'm hanging out with somebody or if I've known someone for, say, 10 years, you know, I've, I've, I'm originally from Auckland. I moved down here. I go back to Auckland sometimes and I still see people doing the same thing they did like four years ago. Yeah. And it's like infuriating to me. It's just like, ah, uh, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like at least learn some new skills or go out and do something, but they're just stuck in this routine. But then I think sometimes you get into a subconscious, it becomes a subconscious thing where you don't even, you're not even aware that that's what you're doing. Yeah. Comfort zones. Yeah, I've heard that the older you get, the more stuck in your ways you become. You do, you do. Comfort zones are thing because it's easier not to do something than it is to change. So, so to, to stay is easier than to change. So, so to say, well, you know what, what you know, why am I going to go and see Reese and put myself under this pressure? <laughs> you know, what, what, what are you doing this for? You know, there's probably there's no money in books. There's no money. Uh, there's money in music. I don't know, but well, not really. That's not really. why I don't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So you know, why do we do it? Well, it takes me out of my comfort zone. Um, I enjoy the the creative side of it, but then I also like the other side of it. Um, to 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 be a writer nowadays has nothing to do with um, writing a book. In the old days, you wrote a book. Here we go. What do you think? Yeah. You know, and they look at your book. Yeah. Okay. We'll take you on. Those days are long gone. Because people don't read as much. Well, people have Conflict. short short attention spans. Sure. And why wouldn't you? You've got, you know. There's so much, so many forms of entertainment. Sure. You know, and, and you've only got a certain amount of time, so. Yeah. And it's probably the less, the least natural um, thing that we do. Read. Yeah. You know. We, like with these podcasts, right? I mean, obviously they go for an hour or two hours. I would never be arrogant enough to think that someone would want to listen to me or anyone for that matter for that period of time i mean some people do and mm -hmm. that's fine which is part of the reason why with all my podcasts i include timestamps so people can navigate to the different Great. subjects like it yeah because what resonates with one person might not resonate with another sure but there's a lot of people i know who do long form podcasts mm -hmm. and they don't do that oh that as soon as i saw that but on it and I thought, oh, okay, and, and I like to watch it going through, so I could see where where it was going. Yeah, but I was enjoying watching again behaviors. You guys, you guys reacting, your interactions, and it was just fascinating. Yeah, I mean, some people prefer the video because you get to see the body language. Yeah, and all of that. Some people just prefer audio because you know they're driving in the car. And, yeah, you know they're in Auckland and they're yeah. probably stuck in traffic. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's a it's a matter of catering to different people's needs. Mm. Uh, but I mean, that might be a reason for why it's done as well as it has out the gate. Maybe I don't know. There's no way. I mean, there's no secret formula to this stuff. I think it's for me. I think it's because it's natural. Because I did a bit of research. I said, no, how? And they were saying, oh no, you know. Do you still work it out? 
and, 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 and prepare and do all your bits and pieces. And then I thought about it a little bit. And uh, I said, you know, and I watched you guys, and, and I think you're successful ones. I, I mean, uh, the success ones of yours is because of the people are just being natural. Well, that's the best. Like, uh, the people that come here that do too much research, uh, I had one of the mayor candidates come on here, and he wanted a list of every single question I was going to ask him. So he came here and he sat down. And he was so overprepared and, you know, I was asking him these questions and I'm like, this doesn't feel natural. You know, you're, he's putting up a wall, so to speak. And so there was a couple of times and everything was too well rehearsed. I was thinking you would not be saying this if <laughs> you didn't know the questions beforehand, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then there were a couple of times during the podcast that I just, I threw him some curveballs, questions that he wasn't even expecting. And he was caught completely off guard, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, interesting, uh, eh? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, I get it. As a politician, you want to be perceived very well, so you'll do whatever it takes to do that. Yeah. But ironically, you know, he, he didn't win. He didn't he didn't get into... um. He didn't get in this, this time. So, I mean, yeah, if people want me to give them a list of questions beforehand, I can do that. But just bear in mind that I'm probably going to ask you some other stuff that's not on that. Sure. Particularly if I get the impression that you're putting on a front. But if you're... Everything's too rehearsed. But I do understand wanting to do research and know, like, because, like, I do a fair amount of research on every guest. Yeah. But not enough that I don't feel the need to even ask you a question because I already know know the answer. And it's not just about me. There's people probably watching or listening to this that don't know you at all or don't even know any of the books you've written, right? So yeah. so it's about doing enough research to know what to talk about, but then to make it natural as well. Because I feel I feel a lot of interviews, well, is, you know, particularly mainstream stuff, if you're watching it on television and stuff, it's so prepared, like down to the, the second, the minute, you know. I see like politicians on some of these, um, you know, shows like the AM show and Breakfast cool. Show and stuff. And they've got like three minutes to talk, you know, and, you know, there's somebody in the air of the, you know, the person who's speaking, the presenter. Yeah. And they've got to get these questions out and they've got to, it's so down to the wire. And then you end up with people talking over each other. And it's, it's, I don't think, I don't think all the information gets out there. I think that's part of the reason why politicians like coming on here. I, I, and how can you be a politician if you can't be natural and just react to what you're saying and saying, you know, and if I say something as a politician that's not right, well, okay, I'm just human. I'm just talking. You know, we just—it's a natural thing. But I don't know. Society's very forgiving of politicians if they say something that's not right. So maybe that's why they. No, they're not. Yeah, that's why I'm. Uh, if I can, I do want to try and get Jacinda and Simon on here because I don't think they've really been given the platform to really say what they want to say. Like yep. if you talk about politics, right? The complexity of it. You can't, like, explain it all in two minutes. No. It's ridiculous. No. Well, and most and most subjects, for that matter. No, you can't. Like, if you're trying to get into the intricate details, you need a long period of time. Now, mm-hmm. not everybody can will be able to watch this or listen to this for that period, but they can at least go to the subjects that resonate with them. Yeah. Or things that they're interested in. For sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So, it's good stuff. Mm. So, in, to, in regards to retail, because mm. you've been in the game for a while now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So has it been interesting watching the evolution of retail over the years? Yeah, it has. So it, like online, yeah. self-checkouts, you know. You know, and it's, it's 
people say, oh, retail's changed a lot. And, uh, you know, well, certain aspects of retail's changed, but it hasn't changed, really. In, in, the, the basics haven't changed. And, and what I mean by that, I remember when we went back, I said when I was 10 years old in the UK, my, 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 um, my great-aunt had, a, had a, a sweet shop. And I would go down there with her and work behind the counter. And I would see all these people coming in and chatting. And yeah, they were coming to buy sweets, but they weren't. They were coming because there was some interaction and it was, you know, she was part of the community. And um, that hasn't changed even today. In fact, retail has probably become even more important in terms of a um, an outlet, a um, a form of um, um, entertainment, mm. and, and and what I mean by what I'm seeing is, you know, if it's a rainy day or you know, you know, oh, let's go down to the let's go down to to the basie, and you go there and. You go into shops and guys are exp- you, you you want the experience, you have something to eat, uh, and it's not for everyone, but it's it's an exp- it's an experience that people like because what they're using they're using all their senses they're using you know the sight, smell, mm. all all those things that we as humans need which online can't give. It is true, you know, and uh, sometimes it's not enough. You know, we'll buy certain things online, but I don't think we'll always buy. We won't. I don't believe we'll end up buying everything online because it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, we don't just buy because of price or convenience. We also buy because of sensation. So that's touch, smell, all those kind of things. Mm. Once those come into it, um, and, and that's why experience is so important in retail now. Because the guys, yeah, they're coming out to spend money, sure, but they, they want entertainment. And, when, and entertainment doesn't mean there's a jazz band all that carrying on and, and guys rapping. And all. That's not about it. It's, it's about, it's pleasant, they get nice smells, sensations, and all those things that are going on, you know? I think it's a matter of giving people options too. Sure. As opposed to just, this is the way we do it, you have to do it this way. Yeah. 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 Like, you, if you take something like, say, like, if I'm, like, I'm in the middle of landscaping, you know, I'm redoing my whole garden and stuff. Mm. Like, I wouldn't buy anything online. I want to go physically to a store and look at things, you know. Yeah. And I think, like, if you take, like, say, some females, for example, they might, a whole group of them might get together and they'll go shopping for a whole day. Yep. And, you know, you, it's not the same experience as, say, going online and just looking at a bunch of items. Yep. I mean, I... I, I do a method of both, you know. Sure. Yeah, but sure. that's that's the way it is. Are you are you interested to see what's going to happen here when you know IKEA and Costco and all those things come here? Well, look, the, some uh, you know the same things have happened. Um, retailers here have gone abroad. Yeah, that is true. And uh, let's be honest, failed miserably. <laughs> um, um, and uh, there's a lot of the Aussie ones that have done the same, yeah, and lost fortunes. And retail, retail, it's not a, it's not about just opening that shop and saying, "Here you go," you know. It's 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 understanding the people that you you de- target audience. It's people. It's back mm. to people. It's back. It's back to behaviors. People. And if you don't understand that, you're not going to get people to 
to, to be uh, a customer. If you don't make them comfortable, so t- take for example, you go, you, you, you take a, um, a, a, a chain over to the UK and you use the same cultural things that invite people in. So you have a sausage sizzle out the front. Yeah. You know, they'll look and they think, oh, okay. And, and, and your main thing you're selling is big barbecues. Yeah, well, you know, not a big thing in the UK. Yeah, you can't apply the same strategy to a different culture. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because they're not understanding. So yeah. to your, with the Arkeas and all that, sure, some of them will, will, will have a huge impact here. Um, but uh, that's not a bad thing. Well, it creates more competition, which which is probably good for the consumer, but bad for the business. Yes, <laughs> right. And, and at the end of the day, it's the consumer. And if the business can't keep up and, and adapt to it, you know, Amazon coming or all those guys coming, you know, these big, um, which I, I'm trying to understand what they are because I know originally they were online, but they're, they're, they're turning into bricks and mortar. And so it's interesting. So a lot You're of the evolving. A lot of the onlines are finding the need for bricks and mortar. Why? Because you're dealing with people. People need your five senses to be stimulated. Otherwise, they're not coming. Easy as. And and so so retail hasn't changed. We still put it on the floor, make it available. How many times you go into a mall, you see a shop, you walk up to the shop, and... um, there's, there's a couple of people, uh, employees in that shop, and uh, they're looking back at you, and nine times out of ten people walk up, oh, turn around and walk back because they feel that they don't want to impose or they feel intimidated or they, yeah? Yeah, well, I'm, I, sometimes when I walk into a shop, like, I actually just want to look, and then there's other times where I actually want people to yeah. come talk to me. But it's, it can be quite intimidating sometimes where you're literally in the shop for like 10 seconds and someone's walking up to you. Hi, can I help you? And it's, hey, man, just chill. Back off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just let or, me look around first and then I'll, then I'll let you know. Yeah. I'll let you know. So, yeah. so don't approach me. Give me a smile. I'm happy with that. Yeah, Morning, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It probably depends on the retail though because like if it's a sales oriented, you know, that person might want commission. That's why they're so – because you know how sales people are quite aggressive. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So but, probably it depends on what the retailer is. So leadership's got that wrong. Yeah. Because they're too hungry and they're putting the customer off. And I've seen stores that the, the, the poor old guys, the sales guys are sitting there and they're just waiting for you to step in. And and, and a too high a percentage of the customers are saying, oh, I feel uncomfortable with that. Yeah. So I don't bother. Whereas if it's, oh, this is inviting, and in I come, you've won fifty percent of the battle because they're in the shop. Yeah, there used to be this, there used <laughs> to be this countdown uh, that I went to in when I lived in West Auckland, and there was this particular checkout operator that everyone would try and avoid because you'd you'd put your food down, and she'd start like telling you her whole life story or start asking all these questions, and you're just like, ah. Oh. I just want to get my food and leave. I'd like, yeah, you want to say hi to the person, but you don't need to have. Because sometimes you have to be in the right frame of mind to to do these things. Like sometimes I go to like malls, and I'm like, I really don't want to run into anyone I know because I'm just I'm not in that frame of mind right now. I I'm on a mission, you know. I'm here to find whatever, 
you know, or, or I'm just here to eat, you know. Hmm. So, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting thing. Because I, I, part of the problem I feel New Zealand has, and obviously with you being overseas, you can probably make uh, good comparisons, but there's a lot of monopolies and duopolies and stuff, which creates a lot of problem. Because I think a lot of people complain, ah, oh, everything's so expensive in New Zealand, which is partly due to our isolation. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, our small population as well. Hmm. Uh, so, like, say, let's take, for example, foodstuffs and which controls New World and uh, what is it? Pack and Save. Pack and Save, yeah. And, and um, Countdown, right? You've got hmm. two companies that pretty much control. Dictate it. Yeah. Yep. Dictate the entire market. Hmm. Which is why I think people are so eager for Costco to be here. Yeah. But even if that happens, I mean, they're rolling out the first one in West Auckland, I think, in a few years. Yeah. But it won't actually make any impact until it's on a national level. Yeah. And, and there's yeah, the, and there's the H&Ms and all those, the, the guys that are turning up. And, and, and the impact will probably be on Auckland more than anywhere else, and maybe the Hamiltons. And, yeah, well, but, we're, getting, we're getting Chemist Warehouse here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, there's their, um, they've got it at the base. Well, I think it opens in the next few weeks, actually. Oh, interesting concept, though. Yeah, well, because um, I know some people in the pharmaceutical in- okay. industry, and uh, Chemist Warehouse has had a huge impact in Auckland on pharmacies. Interesting. Because they're able to they're able to sell products at a cheaper price, you know, because they have the power to do so, right? So a lot of pharmacies are losing money. Um, and they've, they've, they've said at Chemist Warehouse that they're going to be aggressive with rolling it out across the entire country. So I think they obviously tested the waters with Auckland. It's been a huge success. And um, I think, they're, yeah, they're opening one in the base in Hamilton and then another one in Tauranga, I think, as well. But that's going to have a huge effect on the pharmaceutical industry. Mm. But then you've always got two group of people, right? You've got people who, you know, are always chasing the next wave, looking to the future. But then you kind of got the dinosaur as well. People are just stuck in yeah. the old way and they just get angry. They're like, no, this is going to have this negative impact, you know, and they just complain about it. Yeah. And, and I think... The retailers that adapt will be the ones that are successful. For sure. And, and I think they've got to try not to be reactive. So, so with that chemist warehouse, my, my, my immediate perception is, well, okay, those pharmaceutical companies, and I don't know the retail pharmaceuticals, and, and I presume they, 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 they cover a lot of uh, brands so, or they have a lot of outlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've, they've created an environment that has allowed – the chemist warehouse to turn up. Simple as that. Yeah. Because they've been overcharging. Yeah. Ripping people off. Yeah. yeah. You do that, there's going to be retailers that come along. And sometimes it's not only just because of price, it's because of service, it's because of range, it's because of whatever it is. If you're not listening to your people, the people, again, getting back to people, you're opening yourself up for for the competition to come, and that's retail. It's it even happens outside of retail, though. Like, take Sky, for example. Yeah, good point. They've had a monopoly for ages. Yep. You know, they've been ripping people off. Yeah. And uh, Spark, Spark have thrown a curveball in the mix, which is forcing them to adapt, you know. Huh. I think some companies just become complacent. Yeah. They're just like, oh, we know we can get away with it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, well, people don't forget, you know. The minute a competitor comes along, they're going to jump ship if, if it's worth their while. What does it go back to? Leadership. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, if you have a good leader, 
who's listening. Yeah. So do you want to be a leader? Um, nah. Would you like to have your own retail store? Own the whole thing? <laughs> Been there, done it. Don't want to do it anymore? Nah, don't want to, don't want to run, run a store anymore. Too Been stressful? Um, or you just passed that phase no, of your life? No, no. I tell you what has changed for, for, for retail management leadership is that it, it's become a 24-7 gig. Yeah. Because of technology, you're never off. Yeah. You know, and uh, it won't be long before these stores are trading 24-7. Well, this is interesting because I have a few, fair few of friends that are um, – Indian and Chinese, right? Where they grow up in these countries where everything is 24 7, you know, and even some Americans, like say in New York, you know, one of their biggest criticisms of New Zealand is like, why are stores only open till five or six or something? You know, why aren't people? <laughs> well, I think part of that is uh, it's the Kiwi culture. Yeah. It's the, the work life balance. Yeah. Which some countries just do not have, do not have at all. And I think the other thing is just due to low population as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is that, and it, it, it's, it's so that doesn't appeal to me anymore, because it, when I say this, it is a work-life balance thing that I'm doing. It's not because I don't like to work or don't like the retail, but I just need the time to do my writing as well. And if I can do both, you know, I don't want to be working. Were, top. You, were you able to do that in in the UK or Africa? Yeah. What's the What's the work-life balance there? Um. Pretty much the same here. It is? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good. Um, yeah, it wasn't far off at all. Um, UK was a while back. It's probably changed, um, but Africa's pretty similar to the, yeah. to here. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was a case of, yeah, you know, the, as long as I can get home, spend some time with the family, and, and that's why I don't separate myself when I'm riding. I'm, I'm in the lounge there with them and we're riding away, and, yeah. you know, I can hear and interact with them. That's good, and you don't have to worry about traffic living in Cambridge, do you? Yeah. That town is growing quite dramatically. Huge. Yeah. Huge. It's crazy. I've actually had chats with, um, because there's a bit of an argument at the moment with politicians as to whether Cambridge should be amalgamated with Hamilton districts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the Wiper, Wiper district, whether it should become part of the, the Hamilton Council. I know a lot of people in Cambridge would be like, no, we don't want that. No. Do you... Are you uh, one of those? Well, yeah. I just wonder whether Cambridge is getting big enough to, um, to, to, to stand on its own, even you know. Uh, well, its its population has almost surpassed Telpos. Yeah, you know, so it's getting there. Um, yeah. I, I think there's a little bit between Cambridge and old TA, you know. But I think we all know well, why. Yeah. Well, because um, <laughs> obviously I have family in Cambridge, but mm. they've said to me that the mayor there, because he's from Tiawamutu. Oh. A lot of the investment or the money he puts back into Te Aumudu, not Cambridge, even though Cambridge is way bigger in population than Te Aumudu. I mean, Cambridge doesn't even have a pack and save yet, does it? No. It's weird. It is. I don't think Cambridge wants it. Well, I know my family want it. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> apparently oh, the, the, the look, countdown in Cambridge is the most expensive countdown in the country. Is it really? Apparently. Man. Yeah, look. And... and, and they're, they dated stores, and Cambridge does need a, a good... Well, it needs a competitor. This comes back to the whole competitor thing, right? Monopoly, you know, if there's one store in the entire town, then... It's a problem. Yeah, so yeah. there needs to be another competitor. 100%. Yeah. And, and I think Cambridge needs to stop trying to avoid 
the modern um, retailer setups. In terms of what? In terms of, yeah, it's good to have um, local retail. And I'm going to get myself into all kinds of stuff here. But, you know, um, your high street is is all um, local retailers. Right. So, you know, you open up a, I don't know, there's about six shoe shops and, you know, all that kind of thing, which is okay. Well, if they're all making money, I suppose it's okay. Yeah. You know, I, oh, the, I don't know. But, <laughs> but the, 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 the town, the main strip. Yeah. It's always like buzzing. It's always, always busy, busy. But, yeah, you know, yeah. We'll Particularly on weekends. Yeah. But some of those stores are pretty quiet. But that doesn't mean we can't have a pack and save. It doesn't mean we can't have... Um, um, well, it's working in Tiawamutu, so I don't understand why. Yeah. I mean, maybe I should try and get like a foodstuffs person on here and ask them, you know, why they haven't put a pack and save in Cambridge. Get someone out of the wiper and say, what's going on? Yeah. Come and chat to you. Well, I think, I'm sure um, someone in Cambridge told me that they were looking into it. Mm. I mean, they're building that massive factory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's huge. So there's definitely land available. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there were, there were, I mean, Till recently, there wasn't anything other than that that KFC there, you know, and you couldn't get any of the other takeaways uh, well, for ages. They say they say a town is doing well when you get a McDonald's. McDonald's, there you go. <laughs> We've arrived, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like a lot of people, are like I'm sure there's a lot of Aucklanders that moved to Cambridge. Yeah, 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 definitely. definitely so. Yeah, and it's reflected in everything that's happening in Cambridge. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, prices and how busy we are. So if anyone wanted to come to you oh. and ask you for advice on retail, oh. you'd be like, yep, I'm willing to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I get a lot of feedback for, from the articles that I write. So, cause you, so you write for a, a retail column? Yeah. So um, I, uh, I don't write. I, I, I'm a freelance. So, I, right, I, I, so, they... so I'm a commentary. So I'll send them an article and I'll print it onto their, onto their site. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so that, that, there's one in the um, Australia and there's two here locally that I do. Oh, so you do one for Australia as well? Yep. Wow. Yep. Have yeah. you been to Australia much? Uh, yep, been to Melbourne. I love yep. Melbourne. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Stunning, stunning city. Um, I haven't done a lot of traveling, but that's, that's what I want to start doing, get out there and see what's going on. But I want to do it first in this country because this is just amazing. You know, I've yeah. I, I sort of done the corridor and that's all. Yeah, well, I've been I've, I've been showing my partner a lot of New Zealand, you know. Yeah. Uh, because the, the scenery changes quite dramatically from the tip of the north to the bottom of the South Island. Yeah. Um, yeah, it changes quite. But you've you've got quite a bit here, just in the Waikato. Mm-hmm. You know, Rotorua, Taupo, mm-hmm. even Mount Ruapehu. Yeah. So yeah, and it's not that far to drive. Hamilton's pretty cool, eh? It's it's right in the middle, and well, yeah, this is the funny thing, like people. Like, I think the best thing about it is the fact that it's so close to so many places. Yeah. But people are like, no, you can't say that. You can't say that the best thing about it is leaving, you know. Like, <laughs> but, <they're> like, <laughs> but you're right. But, but yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because we're about convenience. That's right. That's All right. that we do is convenience. Yeah. And, and, and it's probably Hamilton's biggest asset is its convenience. Isn't that what's happening out in the Rukura way there or that whole... Was it an import or? Yeah, I've got the port? I've got the chief executive of Tainui, 
uh, Chris Joblin. He's coming on here okay. sometime next year. He's a busy man. So, um, yeah, I had to book him well in advance. But, yeah, he's, got, he's going to come on. Okay. He'll probably talk about the port because a lot of people don't actually know about it. No. Um, but, yeah, it's like a massive, massive project. It's supposed to create, like I think, like 20,000 jobs. Yeah. Yeah, because it's going to be the size of the Auckland yeah. CBD. So why is it coming here? Because it's convenient. makes sense. Yep. Same and as it's people. the middle point between Auckland and Tauranga. Yeah. I think I think Hamilton will become a logistics hub. Well, and the, the knock-on effect it will have on Cambridge as well. Because I think I think those two, the Cambridge and Hamilton, you know, they're very close to each other. They'll become one. Oh, yeah. It will happen eventually. Yeah. I mean, people will resist it. We don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. I know. But it's, it's an inevitable thing. It'll sure. happen. It's, it, it happened in Auckland, you know, with, yeah. you know, Manukau and... Yeah. Um, Pukekohe and, and all that. So it, it'll eventually happen here. It's coming in there. Yeah, yeah. And people people will have to get used to that. Apparently, though, I've heard that the uh, wiper rates are very, very expensive. They're, not, they're some of the most expensive in the country. It's not cheap, I tell you. <laughs> I tell you. They're, they're not shy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they're not shy. Well, which is why it's, you know, they should be investing in, back into Cambridge, you know, not Tiawamutu. Not that I have any problem with Tiawamutu, because I like Tiawamutu. I, I hear what you're saying. But they're, they're, they're two, they've got a completely different vibe, those two towns. Yeah, I mean, it just got voted the most prettiest town in New Zealand. Cambridge is, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and you see here that, it's, oh, it's lovely. Oh, man, they're going to put those rates up again. Because <laughs> if you want to live in the best town in Cambridge, in the Waikato. Waikato. Yeah. You're gonna pay some more rates. Yeah, it comes at, it comes at a price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So cool. Well, um, I might wrap up there unless cool. there's anything else you no, want I'm to good. cover. It was it was fascinating. Um, so, if anyone wants to uh, look into your books, hmm. what's the best way of them going about uh, it? This I've got the website, so yep. that's um, www.davidmfarrell.com. Uh, yep. Um, or just Google it. Yep. Yeah, LinkedIn as well, Facebook. Cool. Instagram, all those sort of normal places. Yep. So what? So one's called the Chameleon. Chameleon. That's that's Africa to Aotearoa. Yep. I can't say the properly, so forgive me for that. Aotearoa. Uh, right. Thank you. Sorry, mate. Uh, that's all right. Still right. working on that. Um, and the others ones on leadership, and then there's the autistic bubble. The autistic bubble. Okay. Yep. So which we've all covered. You've covered briefly on the show. But oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Yep. If you wanna, if you wanna get a hold of those books, then definitely uh, go to the website or contact Davil. David. <laughs> it was a great experience. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. Um, yeah. Good. And now, you know, who knows? Like, we have a connection now. We have a connection. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is part of the reason why I love doing this is because I get to meet new people. You know? I, I can send you a few ideas of who you might want to. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm always, I'm always reaching out to people and Done. trying to get people on here. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, it's always emailing people like every week oh yeah it's actually quite hard trying to get find a guest every week i bet it is yeah yeah it oh. keeps me it keeps me busy i got a few that might interest you yeah cool all right Good. well that's the uh, show guys Thank um you. until next time uh yeah share like and subscribe and yeah stay tuned 100 percent. all right see you guys Cheers. bye